0: to teach you the depth of his word. Enjoy the study. If I'm given 15 or 20 minutes to share anything with kids that are growing up in the world that we are in today, it's going to be about the word of God and how important it is in your lives. That's, that is the, the pinnacle of what you have to be in in this world that we are all walking through together. So what well, I want to study tonight for about 15 or 20 minutes is just talk about the Word of God. Because my my life completely changed when I fell in love with the Bible, with the Word of God. My life totally changed. And what happened, I'll never forget, it was in 2011, I was sitting in Kansas City at the time with my my family, those of you that don't know, Mabry and Noah were born in Kansas City We lived up there for 11 years, and my dad left us when I was six years old, and I remember standing at a screen door, a glass door, watching him drive off, and I had a three-year-old sister, and she lives here in Edmond with us now, but I remember looking at her. She was standing next to me, and we were looking out the glass door, and my dad drove off in this old brown Oldsmobile, um, leaving our family, and so... At the age of eight about two years later the lord grabbed a hold of me and just said matt i'll be your dad don't worry about it i've got this whatever your dad was going to do in your life i will do so i kind of joke a lot that i actually got the better the better uh deal out of the bargain because i got the creator of the universe as my father not just my lord and so I grew up, I was going to church my whole life. I was the one growing up and taking my, my mom and my sister to church at a very young age and trying to get them there. I couldn't drive at the time. I just wanted to be there. If the doors were open, I wanted to be in church because I loved it. I loved studying the Bible. Um, so fast forward to about 2011, I was in Kansas City and this was 12 years ago now. And the Lord just whispered to me so softly, Matt, how many sermons in your life have you heard out of the Old Testament? And by this point, so I was 30 years old. This was 12 years ago, I'm 42 now. I was 30 years old and I could count on two hands how many messages I've heard out of the Old Testament in my entire life at that point. And, and he just, he, and I mentioned that, I, I responded to him, I said, Lord, it's gotta be less than 10. And he said, don't you think that's a problem? And he just left it at that. Just a question. So as all of you know, I'm an engineer by trade and and I'm a math guy. And I went and looked up by word count. The Old Testament is 77% of God's word by word count, which means it's the vast majority, right, of what he has for us. And so I set off on a journey at that point that would absolutely change my life. I had no idea what the Lord was going to do with me as I did this. But my, my mission was to study God's word and to read it in chronological order and write down every question I had and let him teach it to me. That's all I wanted to do. And so for the next, well, here I am 12 years later and I'm still doing it. I'm about to finish my next time through the Bible. And so the first time I did it, it took me about 18 months to go through. I wrote down a lot of questions And not surprisingly, but shockingly, uh, to my amazement, the Lord answered every one of my questions within about three to four days when I would write it down. So I had had notes in my phone. I would write down the question, and it would be a message on the radio. It would be a phone call I'd get. It would be somebody at my office. I'd be in a restaurant. I would hear something that would trigger the response for me. The Lord would literally, sometimes just in his word, out over the next three days, he would answer it for me. But he would supernaturally put something in my life to answer that question. And then I would always write down the answer and I would keep going. And then when I did it the second time, my questions changed. And then the third time, my questions changed. So fast forward about four years and we, we were called to move back to Oklahoma. And I had no idea why we literally were on the verge of signing a contract to fully gut and remodel and build on additions to a, a very old house we had bought in Kansas city. And if I didn't cancel the contract by midnight or 11 59 PM on a Tuesday night, then we were locked in to go do it. And I was sitting there with Randy. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And the Lord radically said, cancel it. And so it had to be, it had to be postmarked stamped before midnight. So I went down to a, a FedEx Kinko's place and did it and canceled the contract. And I had no idea why. And he told us the next day, I need you to go back to Oklahoma and I need you to do it now, immediately. And so when we moved back, I, I was continuing my study in the Bible. Um, We really weren't sure what we were moving back for other than family. Uh, My mom and my mom and my sister were here. My wife's family was here. And we moved back and I started a Bible study group in August of 2015, uh, which a lot of you are aware of. But in that time, it was when I moved back that the Lord just absolutely opened up his word for me. And... I fell in love, deeply, deeply in love with our Messiah, our Savior, out of the Word of God. Because at the top of your notes, um, who is the Word of God? You know, we think of this, a lot of you who brought your Bible, you think of it as words on a page that are bound together and printed with nice leather backing and bookmarks. And that's great. It certainly is that in some physical degree. But the word of God, what you're holding in your hand is supernatural. And it is, it is literally what the Lord spoke to create us, to create the universe. It's the blueprint of all creation. And it's Jesus himself. And we see this. So at the top of your notes, the first section, who is the word? John one. 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So in the beginning, what was Jesus' name? It was the Word. Before his name was Jesus, or Emmanuel from Isaiah, or all of the other names he has in the Word of God, his name was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were, and look how in John 1, 3, it turns to a personal pronoun. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So the word is the light. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Uh, I am the life. I am the Word. And the light, the thing that's interesting about the Word of God is where it is present, darkness cannot live or exist. It can't even be in the same room as it. And so my first word of encouragement for all of you, as you are young teenagers growing up in a very dark world, when you carry the light of the Word of God in you and it is in your person, in your spirit, in your being, where you travel and who you're with and the world that you're walking through, the darkness cannot be there. The darkness cannot stand when you walk into a classroom, into a homeschool co-op with other people, into a a gymnasium for sports, um, into if you're Go into the DMV, right, to get your license sometime soon. You are carrying the light of the world in you when you walk in there. And the world does not un- understand you. The world is going to look at you for standing for Jesus. And look what it said in John 1, 5. The darkness, the world, the dark side, the evil, comprehended it not. It, it cannot comprehend how the entire planet and all of creation is judged by a carpenter's son hanging on a cross. It cannot comprehend it. It does not understand how the blood of one man gives you and I life eternal. And what did they declare it? Remember the New Testament? Those that that do not love the cross, those that declare it foolishness to them is damnation and shame and eternal torment and separation from God. They can't understand it because it's not a logical exercise. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. And so number one, just understand that you will be ridiculed and you will have a lot of people in your life come in and out of your life, that do not understand why you stand for the king of kings. And you have to know as a young teenager growing up in this world, that that is okay. And you have to be okay with it. And you have to understand that I am living and serving an audience of one. And his name is Jesus. And he is the word of God. Okay. Look at John 1, 14. And the word was made flesh. So Jesus put on flesh. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That word dwelt in John 1.14, it literally means tabernacled. Um, I didn't put this verse in your notes, but this is one that I want all of you to commit to memory. Is Psalms 40, verse 7. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Psalms 40, verse 7. It's that verse that Jesus says in the volume of the book, it is written of me. And so one hint here in John 1:14 that Jesus became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. Every single thing that Jesus is was represented in the tabernacle. Okay, every artifact, there were seven items in the tabernacle. The menorah, Jesus was is the light of the world, right? He's the candlestick. The showbread, Jesus is the bread of life. He declared it. He is the way. There was only one door through to get into the outer court. And he said, remember, he said, I am the door. Anyone that comes through me. So then you go down the brazen altar. He is the living water. So all these artifacts represented Jesus in the tabernacle. And it was a bloody place. The whole thing represented his sacrifice. Okay, the entire... System that was set up in the Old Testament. So in the volume of the book it's written to me, when you are reading your Bible, just recognize that all of those old stories in the Old Testament, all of those things through the Torah and Genesis and Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and numbers and, and Joshua and first and second kings and first and second chronicles, all of it points to Jesus, and you get hints of it there in John 1:14. The entire, actually, tabernacle is laid out and representing how Jesus was hanging on the cross with his heart being in the Holy of Holies, in the Ark of the Covenant, in the mercy seat. It's incredible. Okay, how is our universe held together? So how strong is the Word of God? Colossians 1.17 And he, Jesus, is before all things, and by him all things consist And in the Greek, that word is held together. So it's not just at the physical subatomic level that his word is holding atoms together. What else is he holding together? Well, he's holding together you, your emotions, your direction in your life, uh, where you're going. Right. He's holding you together and spiritually and physically. And so... You have to to realize that Jesus, his word is that powerful. It's holding together every atom in the universe by sound waves. Okay, they discovered that in physics just a few years ago. Okay, what is faith? Okay, Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Who is the substance of all things we hope for, right? It's Jesus, of course. He is the sum of all that we hope for. And he is the evidence of things that right now you and I don't see. He's, he's sitting in a throne room that we have entry and access to by his blood 24-7, but you and I don't always get to see it, right? You're in worship. You're bowing your head. Your eyes are closed. And did you know, just as a, a side note, in worship, you know, why, why do you raise your hands? Have you ever thought about that? Just the natural instinct to raise your hand? Well, Jesus at that instant is doing the same thing. It's, he's putting his hands back out over you. It's because you are showing him and reminding him of where he was pierced. You're raising your hand to him. And he's raising his hand back to you as a sign of covenant that he's in with you. Okay, so faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you can, you, if you just memorize Hebrews 11.1, 1, you will have an advantage over 99% of Christians in your life, in the world, frankly. Because if you ask a thousand of them, what is faith? They're going to give you 999 different answers. And the world even uses it, right? Well, you just got to have faith. You know, think about the Super Bowl, right? At halftime, they're talking to the coach that's down. Well, we just got to have faith. We're going to pull this thing out. You know, what are they talking about? They, have, they throw that word out so casually, but you now know what it means. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's Jesus. It's the substance of, of things hoped for. Okay, why is it important? Well, Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So if it's impossible to please God without faith, then you and I need to know how to gird up and get it into our lives. And that's from Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word, Jesus is the word. Jesus in the, his word holds all things together. And by his word, your faith is built. Okay, so that, this is how important the word is in your life. So how often should you read the word of God? Acts 17, 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. So that's probably the most difficult part of that verse is to receive it with readiness of mind. You know, how do you ready your mind to receive the word of God? Well, part of it is uh, put your phone on silent. Part of it is get a hard copy and sit in a quiet place where you're not distracted. Part of it is you pray beforehand. And we'll talk about what you pray here in just a minute, before and after. And they search the scriptures daily, whether those things were, tr- were so. So you have to do it every day. You've got to be in the word of God every day. Okay, in the back, page two. Like I mentioned, you, you guys are all in a... In a very different world than I grew up in. I, and I'm not that old. I don't feel like at least. Maybe you, all of you are looking at me going, man, this guy is old. I'm not that old. I, I was born in 1981. So uh, the world I grew up in was without the internet. And Chris is laughing because he thinks that's extremely old. Uh, that's fine. Hey, you can. I'm not as old as Calvin. Okay, let's just say that. <laughs> but the world I grew up in I didn't have the internet until my senior year in high school okay think about that and it was a dial-up through AOL which is a basically a non-existent legal entity any longer Uh, it's funny I met somebody in business not too long ago that had a AOL address or email address an at AOL.com address and I just thought how in the world are they using that even today does that server still even work But anyway, it was dial-up, right? So I would sit in my, my house and you'd punch a button and it would go through these horrible sounds. If you've ever listened to that, like a fax machine almost, this screeching and I'd close the door and leave and you would try these different servers. Sometimes it would take hours just to get a connection to the internet. It was that slow. And then once you were on it, to load a website took yeah, that's the, that's the sound. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> that is literally what it said. That was it. That was it. And, and you had to wait and it would go through this process anyway. And now you and I in our pocket carry more computing power than the entire world had when I was a senior in high school. Just think about that. Now, what does that allow? Not a lot of great things, right? Um, there are some benefits. Instant communication, having the Bible in your pocket at any time. Yes, no. Someone told me that the iPhone 13 is three times more powerful than the computer that launched the Apollo 3. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we landed men on the moon with less computing power than you carry in your pocket. Isn't that wild? But it's just a different world. I mean, I would not, so to speak, I don't know that I would let my kids go out and just ride around the city on bikes anymore. I did that as a kid growing up. It's a very different world. It's a, it's a world that you're not really even sure which church is good or not, right? A lot of them are very corrupt. A lot of them are compromised. A lot of them teach false doctrine. But if you're not in the word of God, you won't know that. And so... My encouragement to all of you is that you have to take it on a, a personal mission yourself to get into the word of God and build a relationship with the one that formed you. You have to. You cannot serve the God of your parents. You cannot serve the God of New City or the God of Pastor Matt. You've got to serve your God. Now, it's the same God. But... I know Randy would not mind me sharing this, but it took her some time to my wife to get out from serving the God of her mom and dad and to have a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus. And that's what he wants for every one of you. He is so desperate to get to know you and for you to get to know him. And so please, please take that serious. And for the school year coming up, you know, as a challenge over the summer, try to get through as much of the Bible as you can. Just try. I, I've even challenged my, my kids to read through it in chronological order um, as many times as they can before they leave the house. But you're going into a battlefield, whether you're in a private school, public school, homeschool, no school, you know, whatever, you are in a battlefield. Whether you like it or not, you're in a war. And the enemy wants to take you out. And your only defense, look at this in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay, so right there, you know that your war is not against another kid at school. Your war is not against your mom and dad. Your war is not against uh, a kid that maybe makes fun of you or doesn't like you. Your war is not against somebody who just had a bad day and smarted off to you. That's not your war. Your war is not against flesh and blood. Okay, You are to be obedient to your parents. You are to be under their authority. You are to be kind and meek and loving to those around you and pray for them. Okay, We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Those are all ranks of angels in the Greek. Okay, I know that's very exciting. You guys can go write them down tonight. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all taking the shield of faith. Okay, now we know how to get faith, right? From Romans 10:17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So the shield of faith is the, by the word of God. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So the word of God is your shield but it's also your weapon. So you have to learn your weapon. When Rome rose to power, they did it with a sword that was about this long. They did it with a sword that was about this long. Now, every other empire on the planet had chariots and horses and these long swords. How many of you have ever seen like the old, like Aladdin kind of movies, right? Those big curved blades and, uh, you know, think brave heart kind of stuff. I didn't get that. Could you try? Boy. Uh, the demons in my watch just wanna <laughs> talk. But Rome ruled the world with a they took it over with a sword that was about this long. It was very short. And they did it with expert training. They they dedicated their lives to learning how to use that sword because it was very mobile. It was you got in close to the enemy and they couldn't attack you because they had these longer swords. They couldn't do anything. So they got they trained with it in an expert way. So and through that, they took over the world. Now, I'm not saying you and I are going to take over the world. But what I am saying is you can train with the sword of the spirit so that you can get in in the warfare and be victorious. It takes training, though. You have to be in it. You have to know how to use it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And prayer is obviously your heavy artillery. So what do you need to do? You've got to open up your Bible every day. Before you do, you pray. And what you need to pray is First John 2.27, the last note here. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So what you do is you open your your Bible, wherever you're reading that day. You pray, Lord, I need you to teach me everything. I need your anointing that abides in me to teach me all things. And I'm going, to answer, I'm going to write down my questions in a journal, and I need you to answer them. Because you're the author, and Jesus, you are the word of God, and I am trusting that you will personally teach me in it the weapons of my warfare, so that when you're out in this world, you're not led astray. Because a lot of you in here, four years, um, seven years for some, but something less than eight for everyone here, you're gonna be out of the house, you're gonna be in the world, and you're gonna be on your own, I'm using air quotes, uh, but mapping your life, right? So at some point, you're gonna to have to be out of your parents' covering and out there in the world, and you've gotta prepare now for it. So that's, that's my message. Uh, the other thing that I'll just note as a side note, if you're really curious, when you look at the whole armor of God, Every one of those items you can find in the Old Testament. And you can find it in Jesus wearing it somewhere in the Old Testament. So make that a mission and go find it. Uh, One of them, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Uh, One of them, how beautiful are the feet that publisheth peace, right? The sandals of peace. The gospel of peace, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So anyway, look all those up and you can track those down this summer as you're reading. Okay, any questions? I went a little longer than probably you intended, but...